0: We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves. And we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash being boss. That's gusto.com slash being boss.
1: Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. today we are talking about how social media shapes success, defining what success looks like for you and really getting specific about that. We're talking about the comparison trap in other people's views of success. We're going to be talking about dealing with the fear of success and being able and open to changing your mind of your own definition of success. We're going to be talking about connecting to your why, redefining selfish, and deciding what you're not willing to sacrifice for success. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Hey guys, I want to take a second and talk a little bit about getting on track with your finances and your business. So there are a few ways you can stay organized, but I'm going to propose FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is the best way to send out invoices so that you can get paid faster. You can track your income and expenses and quickly pull reports to see exactly where you're at with your finances and your business. You can organize and keep track of your clients. You can even track your time right in FreshBooks books so try it for free today go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section you know it's time to give it a try Thanks, you guys, so much for hanging with us. We are so excited to be continuing the conversation that we started with Jenny She on Success Without Sacrifice. And so today in this podcast chat, um, we want to talk all about what success actually means to us, how we define that for ourselves and what we're not willing to sacrifice we want to get a little bit more specific here and is there anything else that you want to add to that, Emily that we'll be discussing today? I don't think so I think that about sums it up. I'm
0: excited to talk about talk about defining success and really helping everyone figure out that it's it's about diving into what you want. I think that um All too often, we are encouraged to define success based on anyone else's terms, usually everyone else's terms that are in our life or in the media or whatever it may be. So I'm excited about about reining that in a little bit and helping people define success based on how they feel in this moment around what they want, period.
1: So I'm excited because we've talked about taking a little bit of time off this winter and I think I'm going to do a social media detox for a couple of weeks and I really want to see how that reshapes success for me. I feel like sometimes I accidentally fall into the comparison trap of comparing or even defining success for me by someone else's highlight reel that they've got going on on their social media. And I know this about social media, and I actually love that about social media. I love that people are sharing the best bits of their life, but it often makes me feel like, what the hell am I doing whenever I'm having a meltdown or my toddler's having a meltdown. Or I am not, you know, launching as quickly or as big as everyone else seems to be. Agreed. I think that, um, I think that again, when we can write it in, it's so
0: much more reachable and therefore not this big scary thing that we, like the light that we don't see at the end of the tunnel. Instead, it's something that... That is within reach because we define it based on where we are and who we want to be um, and not anyone else's version of success. So I'm really excited about diving into this
1: as well. So, for those of you who are here with us live today, we are actually recording this as a podcast. So, if we make any reference to like our listeners, it's because this is going to air on the Being Boss podcast. So, thank you for joining us for a live podcast recording. And for those of you who are listening to the show um, through iTunes or on our website, we are here with a live audience of bosses. And we love doing this so much because we get to hear in person how everyone who's joined us is defining success. So before we got started, we asked, how do you all define success? For those of you who are not live with us, I want you to take a second to think about how you define success, and I want to see if any of our definitions morph by the end of this show. So Kimberly said, being able to buy groceries, have an evening home without worrying about bills, and maybe a vacation. Groceries is a big part of success on my list. Like, I want to be able to shop at Whole Foods and not worry about it. Right? Or for me, so same. For me, I realized that I had reached
0: a version of my success whenever I could go shopping and I never looked at price tags. Like, I wasn't having to, like, choose the can of corn that was cheaper than the other cans of corn. Or, I like, it wasn't even something that I was having to think about. So for me reaching that point where I could just go to the grocery store and buy what I wanted and needed without having to like add things up in my head, that for me was success reached. And, um, and I don't take it for granted now, like knowing that I've reached that version of success for myself. Whenever I go to the grocery store now, I'm more grateful for the fact that I can just go grocery shopping without having to do math.
1: (laughs) Um, We're getting a lot of stuff like having the freedom to live life the way I want to and not worrying about money or defining success as feeling secure and comfortable financially so I can live a successful life. Um, and what I think is interesting about this is this word freedom has been coming up for me a lot lately and just the idea of success. We all want to live a life that we love, right? Like that would totally feel like success. But the thing that I'm really questioning lately and really grappling with quite honestly is really getting specific about living the life that I love. What does that actually look like? Um, And even whenever it comes to the money stuff, having enough money that I don't have to worry about bills, how much money specifically would that be? Because I've reached a point recently, I mentioned this last week whenever we were chatting with everyone, that my anxiety will start to attack different things in my life that are totally fine. And I think that's how I need to start That's the red flag that tells me I need to start really redefining success and figure out what that means for me whenever my anxiety starts trying to just grab onto something to get worried about.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. And that's not something I ever thought about. But as you're describing it, I agree. Like whenever I'm in a point where I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and I don't know what comes next and I um, I'm angry or like I'm a little more testy than usual. And whenever David asked me what I want for dinner, I like fly off the handle because decisions um, and I definitely see that as a time when I need to just sort of bring it back down to the ground, really get clear about what I'm trying to accomplish next so that I have a path in front of me because that uncertainty around what it is that you are going towards um, can cause you to get angry.
1: <laughs> or at yes, least it does for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about comparison trap, because I don't think that we can talk about defining success without looking at how other people's views of success might be shaping us. So I think traditionally, growing up, it's easy to look at how our parents define success to define success for ourselves. But as we become grown-ass adults, it's easy to start looking at other creative entrepreneurs or other people in our industry and how they are successful and using their boundaries to define our success. So for everyone that's here with us live, I want to hear in what ways have you looked to someone else to define success for you? Or what have other people done that you think, oh, I need to do that to be successful? And Emily, I'm curious to hear from you. Have you ever fallen into um, defining success on someone else's terms? No, except
0: obviously, yes. So the thing that I, the thing that I want to point out here is our education system for one, and like cultural traditions and those sorts of things. We are. Most of us are taught to think inside the box. Like in terms of education, we grew up with what is it like five subjects that we study and whatever our interests are in are supposed to be in one of those five little boxes so that we can play around really well with everyone else Um, or even like culturally or like in your religion, whatever it is that you're brought up in, your family traditions, like those sorts of things act as ways to... To box you in and not that they're bad because I definitely see my family traditions and even some of the religious things that I was brought up with and obviously my education was all very important for me. But we are boxed in in that some of us are not allowed the freedom to play outside of those boxes. And so I think in those terms, um, just setting it in that light Growing up, I was certainly boxed in and thinking, you know, I had to get my education and I had to get a job in the place where I like or in the field that I got my education or my degree in. And I had to find a nice man and get married and have a baby and like maybe be a stay at home mom, even though I had a degree while my husband worked like that is the the box that I was given to play in. And I hated it. So I broke all of the rules. (laughs) <laughs> every single one of them um and, but for a long time i did struggle with this idea that i was going along that path i was in college and i was getting a degree, a degree in something where i would have a career um immediately after college and that definitely like fed into what i chose to do in college it wasn't so much what i was interested in what i was most interested in i ended up taking as a minor because I never would have gotten a job in it. So I let the 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 idea of success being you get a job immediately after college box me into choosing a educational path that would have gotten me a job not something that I loved the most. Um so whenever you can start breaking free I breaking free I got um or I broke out of the box immediately after graduating. Like I got my degree, I almost quit college like three weeks before I graduated because I almost didn't get to graduate because of some um, some transfer credit issues. I cried and I got mad and then I graduated. Um, and But immediately after, I knew that I wouldn't use this degree that I just got. And instead, I tried to do something else. I redefined success for myself. Blew everyone's mind. My parents thought I was a little bit nuts. David's parents prayed for me, I'm sure. Um, but... I made it like I redefined success I broke the mold of taking the job right out of college and I paved my own path and that's just one example I think of a million that I could throw at you in ways where I broke free of what people expected me to do and did something better than what they expected me to do because I
1: decided to do something else So we've got a couple of bosses chiming in, and Emily says, it was really hard for me earlier in my career when I was working in a day job. I lived by my boss's expectations, and it was tough to get to the point when I was ready to do what I wanted and follow my own expectations for the life I wanted to create. So I had a similar experience. Whenever I worked a day job, my boss was my sister, who is now my business partner, and she's really brilliant at being able to write ad copy. And so I remember working in advertising, feeling like she wanted me to write ad copy. And I've always been um, interested in writing, but because I couldn't do it on the client side, I felt like I was just a shitty writer, that I didn't know how to do it and that I couldn't do it well. And I remember the day that I told her, I don't want to write. I just want to focus on graphic design. I felt so incredibly liberated. And that was kind of my first experience of voicing what I really wanted and being afraid because I look up to my big sister so much. I think she's one of the most talented people in the world. I followed her path like almost a hundred percent of the way because she got her degree in graphic design. So did I. We shared a lot of the similar extracurricular activities. Um, and what was important to her, I made important to me. And so really kind of breaking off of that was scary and it felt risky, but then also, um, We've got some other people mentioning just seeing others succeed in places where I haven't has been huge source of comparison envy and defining success or failure for myself. And Lily says, watching someone launch a business to what seems like immediate growth. So this is a more recent comparison envy that I had. I was taking a course in Facebook advertising because it was something that I wanted to learn a little bit more about and see if it might be helpful for my business. And the woman teaching the course basically talks, I mean, she admits to being an overnight success that within four months of launching her business, she had a million dollar launch. And you guys, I'm like six years into this thing, not making anywhere near a million dollars. I hope I'm not bursting anyone's bubble there. But just making a living salary as a creative entrepreneur, I can pay my bills, I can go to the grocery store, but I'm not making a million dollars. And all of a sudden, I felt really shitty for all the success I had already accomplished because it wasn't a million dollars in four months. So I'm totally with you there, Lily. The overnight successes hurt my feelings. But I think it's also important to recognize that most of these overnight successes, I put that in air quotes, are really 10 years in the making that most people have been working really hard along their path to set themselves up to then become an overnight success. Right. I think you're a great example of that. Sometimes
0: we hear that from being boss fans that were like, You guys just took off so immediately and things got really great. And it did for being boss, but Kathleen and I have been doing this, like the work that got us here and building that the those first two email lists that we launched the first podcast to. We've been building all of that stuff for years so that whenever we did create the new thing, it did go off. But it wasn't us just waking up one day and going, Oh, I think I'd like to start an online business doing a podcast and you know, having an exclusive community let's make that amazing um it was definitely years in the making and i think that i think that that's one of those things about comparison envy is that we are seeing everyone's highlight reel we are seeing the high points um We're seeing like the best of the statistics, but what you have to do is fill in the holes and it's not the responsibility of those people to fill in the holes for you. I'm about done with everyone getting all mad about everyone's highlight reels. Just be realistic with yourself when you're looking at these things. High five them for their successes, but also understand that between those beautiful Instagrams, like their house probably looks a mess too.
1: (laughs) But you know what actually really helped me with this? Because a lot of my dear, awesome friends – Are the very ones that I can easily fall into the comparison trap with because I am following them and I'm happy for them, maybe a little bit jealous. But one thing that really helped me really get over that kind of comparison envy specifically was really recognizing that we are all one. And I know that might sound fluffy or woo woo, but whenever I can really get into the frame of mind that My friends' successes are also my successes, like in a really kind of more like universal level, it really makes me start to feel like, okay, this is this is good for everybody whenever someone is successful and that it's not taking anything away from me. If anything, it's giving me something to look up to and it's really giving me an idea for what is possible. So whenever I can start to celebrate my friends who are doing really well, I I feel like it just I literally start vibing a little bit higher. And then what I love about our podcast is I can then invite them on the podcast and ask them how they did it and get a sneak peek behind the their daily lives and realize, like you said, everyone has their struggles, everyone has their insecurities, and everyone, even though like we're looking forward at their successes, they are also looking forward at people who they're jealous of. And not that that makes it any better, And we all know this. It's just a good reminder that we are all on our own path. I feel like I've been seeing that stay in your own lane quote on Instagram and Pinterest all the time.
0: Well, and I want to say here, like the difference between envy and inspiration is just a reframe of mind. Like that's all it is. Like you can look at someone and be annoyed by it or you can and like and let that hold you back because you're wasting energy on being annoyed by someone else's life or you can look at it and use it as inspiration for you to to redefine your success based on maybe their terms but not even their terms like based on what you admire about their success so use it as inspiration it's just like it's just how you want to look at things um for me whenever I think that especially using Instagram and Pinterest, those sorts of things, I feel like those things are helping people cultivate like a more inspirational or aspirational um, feeling whenever it comes to looking at everyone else's beautiful shit. <laughs> like we like that or we like those things. We repin them. And I think that whenever whenever you can reframe it from envy to inspiration and use it as a guide for you to, you know, define your own um your own success based on you know the things that you admire in others like that's where that's where happy shit comes from that's when you are vibing higher and not lower because that sucks
1: So, um, Linda asks, how about the fear of success? What if you're doing well, but are facing that fear of more? I totally get this. And Girl, I don't think it's me something, every day. I know. I don't think <laughs> it's something that people talk about enough. We all talk about the fear of failure, but we never talk about the fear of success. And I think it's because it feels very humble braggy or like, who am I to be afraid of something that so many people would just You know, love to have. Um, So, yeah, that's a very real thing. How, Emily, do you deal with that fear of success? I breathe really
0: deep. Like, I don't know if you noticed, like, record, like, I just had to sit up straighter and take a really deep breath because this is something that I absolutely face on a daily basis where you know we are doing great things but we're also like put putting our voice and opinion out there like to build this we're having to put ourselves out there there's huge amounts of vulnerability that come into it and the more successful we get the more vulnerable we have to be and to more people and that is frightening as hell to me absolutely so I just have to breathe really deep and remember why i'm doing this and that by stepping back I am am turning my own back on, you know, this purpose that I've created for myself. And that for me is a little bit more frightening than actually succeeding.
1: Yeah. So for me, whenever it comes to the fear of success, I always look back at the evidence of what I've accomplished and how it's felt along the way. And I remind myself that I am completely capable of success and I will continue to expand my capacity for success. And this is why I'm so actually grateful to not be an overnight success, because that would be a lot to handle. Think about like child Disney stars and how – messed up a lot of them get. It's because they had so many eyes on them and they got so much success at such a young age. I feel like it overloads their little systems. Not all of them, but some of them. And I feel like certainly for me, if I had gotten the success that I craved even five years ago, I would have gotten so burnt out and overloaded and scared. So for me, um, I like leaning into it. Leaning into it is a phrase that my coach, Jay Pryor, says all the time. You just got to lean into it. And so anytime I'm wanting to make a change or push my boundaries into something that I haven't done before um, and to continue to grow that success, I just do one thing at a time. And usually if I focus on the thing that I'm doing, that very thing is not that scary. Like, for example, recording this podcast Not very scary. Thinking about 10,000 people downloading it tomorrow, super scary. Mm -hmm. And so, but I just have to keep my eyes on the task at hand. And whenever it comes to um, Leslie says, success equals eyes on you, then they'll see my flaws. So expose the flaws. Let them see. (laughs) I I mean, mean, and I feel like like you and I are pretty good at that. Yeah, we've built our entire (laughs) platform on just. Kind of be real people. And this is why I love personal branding is that we are all real people. And I think that we all give each other – I mean, despite some of the hater conversations we've had, I think for the most part, most people – are gi- more giving of grace than we expect them to be. Oh, hands down. So for example, hands like down. whenever our crowdcast is not working and mm-hmm. we have to move everyone over to Zoom, rather than saying, you guys look unprofessional, we're getting feedback that's saying, wow, you guys handled that like champs. Like flaws happen. Sometimes I've also recently decided to be okay with being wrong. And I'm recently decided that I feel really boss whenever I know that I can change my mind and just knowing that I'm working through this as I go. So I could say something wrong and I can change my mind later or I can be wrong about it and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I love this talk about, um, about changing your mind because I do feel like whenever it comes to comes to success I mean god think about like college I remember David had to do a class as a freshman um where he had to like define success like where do you want to be in five years and I've talked about before I hate it when people ask me that question like I have no clue where I want to be in five years like I cannot commit to success then and what that looks like at all um And I don't want to. I don't think that people should. I think it's really good for giving people a general direction and maybe that early in life for sure. But um, but I don't like or what I most like is knowing that I can change what my version of success is, how I define success at any given point. So, you know, a couple of years ago, for me, success kind of looked like building a web design agency. Like I thought about doing that for a couple of minutes and then I changed my mind. A lot of people would have taken that initial success definition as like written in stone, have to do it. They're not checking in with themselves ongoing to see if this this definition for themselves is actually ringing true with how they want to feel and how they want to live their life and then they reach the thing but they're not happy with it. They didn't check in and see if they needed to change their mind and I think that knowing that you have the freedom to change your mind whenever you want about what success looks like to you and you know shift your path so that you can grow and change and become who you want to be you will be learning things every day for the rest of your life and i think your success should be a culmination of all of those things if you stunt your growth by saying like at age 18 here is what success is but you're not taking into the into account all the thing you're going to all the things you're going to be learning over the next couple of years That sucks. And you're missing out, I think, on lots of opportunities. So I love the idea of really focusing on the idea that you can change your mind and especially around success and really being that like student of life and keeping your definition of success very fluid. Um, Commit to it like when you're in it, but otherwise be open to changing it and recommitting when you need to.
1: Yeah. So I've even changed my mind recently recently. Whenever we were in Toronto recording from FreshBooks headquarters, I mentioned that one of my favorite things I've purchased with money was my car. And at the time, that really felt like success. This like external status symbol car that I love driving and I still love driving is what made me feel successful But now not so much. Now I'm like, why was I so hell bent on getting a new car? And why did I use that as my example at FreshBooks? Because now, just a few weeks later, my definition of success is no longer the car. It's now having time to go on a long walk. Like, that's really all I want. And I will feel successful if I can just take a 30 to one hour walk. 30-minute to one-hour walk every day. Like, that would be so super awesome. Um And yeah, I think that – Okay, but what I want to say about that is my idea of success being in the car was not wrong. Like, I don't want to make myself wrong for that even three weeks ago or three years ago whenever I bought the car. Like, that very much was what I needed in the moment. And that's something that I'm really thinking about a lot is – Our definition of success doesn't necessarily change, it evolves because we're humans that are evolving and our needs, yeah, the things that we need, it changes from day to day based on what we're giving, what we're receiving. Um, Okay, so Jessica says... I think I struggle with connecting to my why. So earlier, Emily, you mentioned that really getting in tune with your intentions and your values and your purpose and your why is how you kind of not, it doesn't keep you from being afraid, but it keeps you courageous. It keeps you brave. It keeps you going. So Jessica says, can your why change? Does your why evolve Right now, my why is providing for my family so I can be in a place where I don't have to price check the corn, move my family out of where we are, and then what? So Emily, I feel like your definition of success for a long time was simply providing for your family. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
0: Yes, I just saw this question. I got really excited about it because I totally want to dive into this. Um, absolutely. I mean, we don't wake up one morning. Like, at the age of five, most of us don't, knowing what our life's purpose is and simply going for it. Like, we learn what it is through experience. And I think like that's permission for you to accept that your why will evolve. In the very beginning of my business, it was providing for my family, um, both monetarily, but I wanted to stay home with my kid. So, you know, going out and getting a job was not something that I wanted to do. So very early in my business though, that was my why staying home, but also making money. Um, then it became sort of a creative outlet, both like as an entrepreneur, because I love doing the business stuff, um, and growing things like that's really fun for me, but also Also, in terms of designing, like I like making things. So, um, so my why evolved from just providing to also being personally fulfilling and then I started learning that what I actually really like what I found most personally fulfilling was not just designing things, but it was helping creative entrepreneurs run businesses of their own. So I was building businesses for other people and coaching them and how to make them successful. Um, So through that, yeah, like your why will absolutely evolve. And I think it's accepting that it does change and evolve, but also checking in consistently and seeing how it is evolving for yourself so that you can make really good decisions about what comes next for you. Because if I were to be stuck in, I just want to make money for my family, like I probably wouldn't be very personally fulfilled or have clients who super love me for the expertise that I have. Like I would just be like, just pulling in a paycheck. And I don't even know what that would look like. Um, so being aware that your why will consistently evolve. Like I can only imagine what my why is going to be in five to 10 years. Like I can't even like project my brain that excitingly far in terms of this, um, in terms of this topic. So I won't try, but it does excite me to think like, Where I am now and where I was 10 years ago and where I could be in 10 years from now just around my why, not even what I'm doing to fulfill it.
1: So I want to talk about the why a little bit and I think that providing for my family might be at the top of your why and think of your why as – a pool or an ocean or like a beautiful cenote, like just something really like a gorgeous body of water. And at the very surface of your why is providing for your family, keeping them afloat. Why do you want to keep them afloat? And then keep asking yourself why. And the more I want to challenge you, Jessica, to ask yourself why five times. And you're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into that purpose. It doesn't eliminate the fact that you need to keep your family afloat and provide for them, but it starts supporting it from a super deep level. And whenever you can get there, I think that's where you get really super creative and really in tune with what it is that you're actually doing and why you're doing it.
0: I agree. And just to follow that up, Kat says, I've always known that my why has been to play by my own rules and never work for someone else so that I can set my own expectations and have the freedom to choose how I live. Since realizing that, I've been miserable no matter where I work. So... I had the same thing. Like part of me, like part of my personal why is I just want to make my own rules. I want to get up when I want to. I want to work when I want to. I want to work on what I want to work on when I want to. Um, And I think that like that why will never change. But what I will do is become more and more aware of it and I'll become more and more practiced in it. I think you know, seven years ago when I was starting this, like that was definitely part of it. I've always I've always had some very healthy authority issues um, <laughs> that I've, I've gotten to work with and it certainly fed into me being my own boss. Um, but like I was also just like just touching the surface of what it was like for me to make my own rules. I was still creating website packages that were based on industry standards. I was still more or less working a nine to five because that's how you work. Um, and I was still following a lot of those rules. But what I've gotten to do, in terms of that, that personal why for me is I've gotten to dig deeper and deeper into it. Um, so now I'm just better at that why. Um, and that one hasn't evolved too much, but it has become more defined with beautiful details.
1: Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I feel like my why helps me work anywhere. Like I actually loved working at an agency and having a super collaborative team and being in an office. I really loved it. And I feel like my why helped support me in that environment as well. So I've definitely been one to play by my own rules, but I was always challenging those rules within structures and kind of Um, like challenging it from the inside out, if you will.
0: Well, and just an example of this is Kathleen got her agency to change their dress code so that Kathleen could wear what she wanted to wear to work. Yeah, (laughs) and so that everyone around me
1: could wear what they wanted to wear to work. So I definitely think that you can have a purpose, a why, and even a personal brand within the context of an organization or even within the context of societal structures, right? We all have rules that we need to play by to maybe not be total assholes or so that our cars aren't crashing into each other. Like We have to stop at the red light, (laughs) right? So (laughs) I think it's also just Kind of understanding, picking your battles. And um, yeah. Okay. So Sophie says, your why is your higher purpose. Why are you doing what you're do- doing? In terms of affecting others, and this is something, I don't know if this is quite the question, but something I want to touch on is that it's okay to be selfish with your why. So my why is simply being, I just want to be able to be who I am 100% of the time, no matter what the context is. And if I can help others feel like they can be who they are 100% of the time too, great. But I found, and maybe this is just the youngest child in me coming out, that whenever I'm really doing something because it really fuels my own fire, that it's a little bit more contagious and maybe a little bit more helpful to the people around me. Whenever I start just thinking about how am I going to help thousands of listeners, like that's whenever I start feeling the pressure of what am I doing, um, I start grasping for straws or looking for formulas or silver bullets. Whenever I can just focus on doing what it is that I want to do and really serving my own inner why, that's maybe even from a selfish place, I feel like I have a better ability to serve from that place. I don't even know how to be coherent about this, <laughs> but do, I do you get what I'm I saying? think I
0: do. I think I do know how. Maybe. We'll see how this goes. So I, well, one, first of all, I think we need a new word for selfish whenever, like, your thoughts for yourself has no negative impact on anyone else. Like, for me, selfish, like, equates to negative impact. But there is a lot Mm. of selfishness that has nothing but positive impact. So can we just, like... Call up Webster and ask them if there's a word
1: for that. I (laughs) love that. Do any of you guys know a word for that?
0: (laughs) Molly says shameless,
1: but I think that the root of the word shame in there has a negative connotation. So I don't know that it's shameless, but yeah, I love that that selfish is kind of something that has a negative impact. So self-loving or self-care, I mean, we all talk about how moms are better moms whenever they're taking care of themselves and self-alicious is what cat self-alicious that's that's it
0: i like it so whenever i want to be self-alicious i'm totally going to be using that now thank you so much cat oh my god okay so about this like self-aliciousness versus like what it is that you're putting out into the world and what your purpose is i certainly think in this like i'm just talking this out loud here, guys. So let's see how this goes. I certainly think that there is a correlation between what's important to you and what it is that you are sharing with the world and and therefore your purpose. I think that I think that what the things that you most hold true for yourself are the things that you're supposed to be sharing with everyone else and becomes your purpose. So maybe that's just a little more succinct way of saying what you were saying, but that's how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, no, I like that idea. Like, I like the idea that sharing my why is how I serve others, but it's still my why. And for me, it's about like making money, like
0: providing a life for myself, doing work that I love, and making my own rules in the process. That has, that is my most (laughs) self-aliciousness- That I have, like, that is what I will always be doing for myself. I don't want to work for people who don't respect me or, um, or doing work that I don't believe in for companies who have like backwards ass way of thinking. Like, that's not what I want to do. I want to make money doing what I love, um, and living the life that I love in the process. And you and me together, like, our purpose of being boss is helping other people cultivate those exact things for themselves and obviously it's resonating. So, I I sort of challenge everyone to think about what it is that you most hold dear for yourself. Like what beliefs do you have that you most hold dear and see if it doesn't resonate with what you feel your purpose is or maybe it even causes a huge and amazing dramatic shift in what it is that you think you should be doing with your life.
1: And feel free to get self about it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
1: I'm going to call Beyonce and ask her if she'll do a self malicious song. <laughs> Okay, so I think that coming circling back around to how we define success and our why, like I guess for me then I could simply say success for me is getting to be who I am a 100% of the time, but really waking up every morning and asking what is going to make me really feel like me today and following that path every single day. Obviously, I still have my to-do lists, even if that doesn't make me feel like me, but really having the freedom to, um, cut off all my hair or wear whatever I want to wear. Like, those are more superficial aspects of it, but it could be a little bit more like how I spend my time or the kind of content I'm writing. Because I'm writing for us and creating podcasts for us, I can talk about anything I want to talk about. And being able to follow the inspiration or follow the thought form that makes me feel like me or uncover more of who I am along the way, that for me is probably most how I define success right now.
0: Same. And for me, with, you know, living what I love and making money, doing work that I love to do. Like my definition of success is, you know, financial freedom, um, is, you know, building a business or two or three businesses, depending on what day of the week it is, (laughs) I feel, uh, but building businesses that are profitable, but also run really well. And my employees are super happy and we're making amazing things and our clients or customers are super thrilled with what we're making. So building successful businesses, um, But also having plenty of free time to hang out with my family and to um, just sit on my porch and chill out or to go have dinner or to not like price check corn. Like those things are certainly my definitions of success and it is tied very hugely to what I feel is my like life's purpose or at least in this moment is my why of Cultivating that within myself, but also helping other people find and reach
1: the same thing. Love that. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about talking with Jenny She on episode number 95 about success without sacrifice was whenever she simply said, what are you not willing to give up on your path to success? What is that? So I'm curious to hear, like, what are you not willing to give up, Emily? The first thing that came to my mind was an alarm clock in the morning.
0: And I think we even talked about that in the episode a little bit. But literally, that is my biggest not fear because it's not something I see ever needing to happen, but just the idea that I would have to wake up on someone else's schedule. Like that is never, ever going to happen. Like maybe kids, sure. Like I do have a daughter and she, w- I guess I do get up on her schedule, but I'm usually up first. Um, but just it's when I decide to wake up that I get up. So for me, having to get up early in the morning would be a deal breaker for me um, consistently. Like, I'll get up and hit a flight early in the morning or something, and that's fine. Um, I think something else that would be a deal breaker for me is not being able to to just make my own schedule during the day, too. Like, we've been decorating for Halloween and things, and um, or we'll just, like, go out and enjoy the fall, leave somewhere, like, in the middle of the day. And the fact that I can leave after a meeting... Go out, do whatever I want, come back and not have to ask permission from anyone or not have to um, just sort of make sure ducks are in a row. Like I can just leave and really no one's going to miss me. Um, And if they do, I'll be back soon. And there are no repercussions like that for me is something that I would not give up for anyone. I love the freedom that I have just within my like daily
1: life and work. Um, So Emily, who is here with us live on this recording, she mentions deal breakers change over time, too. There's things I used to say I would never do that don't bother me anymore as I've grown as a professional. And I think this Agreed. is so incredibly true. A hundred percent. You can change
0: your mind about these things, too. You can change your mind about anything, guys. Anything you want. Um, I agree with this. I think, you know, maybe when I'm older... I won't mind like getting up earlier in the morning, um, or maybe at some point. when we've talked about going through phases where, like, sometimes we crave more structure than in others. Uh, we've talked about, you know, currently we're both working from home, but we've talked about what it would be like to have like studio space again, which we've both had previously after the first bout of working from home. Um, at the moment, I think it would kind of be a deal breaker if I had to leave work or if I had to leave home to go to work, but in a year, I may totally change my mind. So I agree with that. Deal breakers
1: absolutely change over time. I think my deal breakers, like on a more surface level, I love being able to control my schedule too. I don't feel like I actually have a lot of control over my schedule. I feel like my calendar is packed tight and that's just never ending. So I don't know what that looks like to feel complete. I mean, I am. I think I'm, I'm – failing to recognize how much control I do actually have over saying yes or no. You put all of those
0: things physically on your calendar yourself. I know. So you can say no, we'll do it a different day. You have all the control. I think you are a little bit of a slave to your calendar ongoing though. And that's something we're both working on because we both recognize (laughs) that that shit needs to shift.
1: (laughs) So, but but that said, I think that I'm a little bit of a slave to my calendar because the thing I won't sacrifice is my morning workout. I go to the gym every every single morning. And that is just, unless I've booked a massage during that time <laughs> instead, it is a deal breaker if I get scheduled in that time slot. And then I think on a more um, broader level, or maybe deeper level, a deal breaker would be being told that I can't write or say something that I want to write or say. Yes. Like not having the freedom to create the content that I want to create or follow a path of inquiry or curiosity that I'm really wanting to dig into. That would be a deal breaker for me. Um, I once got invited to speak somewhere
0: where I accepted. They sent me a contract. In the contract, it said I couldn't cuss, so I declined. <laughs> And that for me was like a very real example of the exact same thing. Like if you are going to censor me in any way, bye.
1: (laughs) Yeah, total deal breaker. So Kat says, I think a deal breaker for me is doing work that is not inspiring or is just blah. That's actually not a deal breaker for me because we have to do a lot of like admin blah, like sitting behind the computer. Right. For sure. But
0: but I think the way she ends that is day in and day out. And yeah. I agree. Like if I had to look forward at the next month of my job and see that it was gonna be blah every single day, then no. Like it's easy for me to get through the not inspiring days because I know there are inspiring days absolutely in there. So um so yes and no, Kat. Mm-hmm. Um that day in and day out certainly saved that.
1: <laughs> and Emily follows up with this in the comments. Comments of our live podcast recording, but is the blood work in service to your larger mission? And that is such a good point. Yes. Because if you're doing the admin stuff that maybe doesn't inspire you, but supports the inspiring stuff that you do get to do, it's totally worth it.
0: And and then Kat followed up here with, I love doing my own books and marketing though, just not mindless work for others. Then what I would challenge you to do and anyone who finds themselves in a themselves in a place where where like you're not living your current definition of success, like where you could feel successful right here and right now, is to change your mind. <laughs> or to change like one, you could either look at the the meh work that you're doing as service to your larger mission and therefore just come to terms with it or change what that mindless work looks like for you. If client work is not working for you or this kind of client work is not working for you, then what can you change to make it work for you? That's my favorite thing about like all of us in this like platform of um, online business or working for yourself or building these creative businesses is that you have complete and utter control as to what it looks like. And if you find yourself in a moment Right now, where you're not loving it, one is it just a phase? In which case, get used to it. These phases come and go. Or two, what can you change to make it really dreamy right now? Um, one of the things that you've I've heard you talk about, Kathleen, is how how you use um, how you use envy and like looking at other people's like Instagram feeds or Pinterest feeds as, um, as again, that inspiration for, you know, if someone is celebrating with champagne and it looks glorious and you're sad that you don't have champagne, get up and go get yourself some champagne, right? (laughs) There are little things that you can be doing to live your version of success right now. You just have to do the work. And sometimes the work really does just look like pouring yourself a glass of champagne.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So let's wrap this up in a tidy bow and give our listeners and our, um, everyone that's joined us live, let's give everyone a few prompts that they can journal through or just think about. So the first one is how do you really define success for yourself? And ask yourself why? Why do you define that as success? And keep asking why until you get deeper and deeper into that purpose. The second thing that we really talked about is being allowed to change your mind. So I would love for you guys to think about how your definition of success has evolved over the past few years. And in what places have you changed your mind? Is there any place right now that you think could use some mind changing now? Are you still hanging on to some old definitions of success? And then the third thing is, what are your deal breakers? What are you not willing to give up? Think about both the surface level stuff and then the deeper things. And I think that's about it. Well, and I think my
0: final one would be what little things can you pepper into your life right now to begin living your version or your definition of success in this moment? And it can be really small things like glass of champagne andre is not expensive um or or maybe it's maybe it's going for a walk maybe it's taking a midday walk and asking no one for permission for it whatever it may be i challenge everyone to end your prompting with little doing of the work and actually pull something really dreamy into your life right here right now and enjoy the hell out of it
1: all right, you guys, that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for joining us live. And if you guys are listening to this show and ever want to join us live and hang out with us, be sure to go to beingboss.club slash events. We're always posting our live hangouts there. And for those of you who are with us live today, if you like hanging out with us, you might consider joining the clubhouse. I'm just going to throw it out there. Visit beingboss.club clubhouse. We still have just a few spots left open for our December retreat, and we'll be hosting a few more online retreats through 2017. But this is the last one we're signing up for now. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club.
0: If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse.
1: Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. Our graphic designer, Jessica Bramlett. And our being counter, David Austin. With support from Brave Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. I don't know but I do think that there's still this like deeper need for permission giving or some sort of guilt that's making its way in there probably based on society's definition of what success looks like and kind of climbing up that traditional ladder of success versus yeah. building our own ladder
0: agreed man
1: put Why that in the so podcast right? edit that in there somewhere
0: there you go Corey there's your outtake right there Kathleen dropping bomb. <laughs>